Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Hey, uh, we are starting a new series called Thrive. We wrapped up our series called Identity Theft here last week, and uh, we're talking about Thrive Unleashing the Soul. Uh, there was a mom had a little boy named Luke, born early, five pounds, seven ounces. Uh, right away, as he's taking his first breath, so he had a rough start to life, uh, respiratory distress. He got he got rushed off to the NICU uh, neonatal intensive care unit. His lungs collapsed. They discovered a hole in one of his lungs, um, and so it really re- kind of hanging in the balance there, um, but uh, little Luke was a fighter, and in a week and a half, he was going home with mom and dad. Um, age three, though, age three, he uh, hits, uh, the parents kind of notice that there's just something something going on here. It's not right. I take him to the doctor, pediatrician, and they notice that he's not hitting the benchmarks, the developmental benchmarks that a toddler would, would normally hit, and uh, discovered that, um, well, they actually diagnosed him with FTT failure to thrive and what it was connected to was uh, Luke was a pretty picky eater and, um, and mom and dad just kind of let him, let his food selectivity kind of be up to him and it, it, it impacted his nutrition. And so he had to be, he had to go back to the hospital and he actually got put in food school for four weeks and came out the other side uh, thriving and growing. And you know, with FTT, failure to thrive in, in, in little kids, um, sometimes you know, it's something they're doing that keeps them from thriving. In other cases, that's, that's, that's not what's going on. There was a, a family here in our church whose daughter was born and um, diagnosed with FTT at two or three years later, and they discovered that uh, she had a hole in her heart, um, and no one knew, and there was nothing this little girl could have done in order to thrive on her own. She needed surgery. But in both those stories, uh, what you get, you know, God's designed us in such a way that when we enter into this world, he's designed us to thrive. That we, you know, we come in as an infant and we grow and mature and eventually we get to this, uh, this place of spiritual adulthood. And it probably doesn't come as a surprise that when the same thing happens when you're a spiritual infant. That when you're born again, you, uh, you enter as a spiritual infant into the kingdom of heaven. But God's designed it in, in, in a way that, that you should move from infancy, that you would mature, uh, and that you would enter into spiritual adulthood as well. That you would thrive, that you would grow. But um, you, you might be aware of this, that sometimes people get stuck. Sometimes people don't grow. Uh, consider Hank. Uh, John Ortberg, he's an author and a pastor, he wrote a book called The Life You've Always Wanted, and he wrote about Hank. He said, Hank was a cranky guy. He didn't smile easily. When he did, the smile often had a cruel edge to it, coming at someone else's expense. Hank had a knack for discovering islands uh, islands of bad news in oceans of happiness. He could always find a cloud where others saw a silver lining. And Hank rarely affirmed anyone. He operated on the assumption that if you compliment someone, it might lead to a swelled head. So he worked hard to make sure everyone stayed humble. His native tongue was complaint. He carried judgment and disapproval the way a prisoner carries a ball and chain. While he went to church his whole life, Hank was never unshackled. In fact, a deacon in the church asked him one day, Hank, are you happy? 
Hank paused for a moment to reflect on that and then replied without smiling, yeah. Well, tell your face, the deacon said. <laughs> but so far, as, anyone, as anybody knows, uh, Hank's face never did find out about that about the, the joy that comes from being in a relationship. And you know, maybe you've, you've met a Hank, maybe you are Hank, um, but uh, that, that we enter the kingdom of heaven as spiritual infants and we're supposed to, supposed to grow, we're intended to, to thrive, but oftentimes what happens is spiritual FTT kicks in. We fail to thrive spiritually. And by the way, this is not a modern problem. This has been going on for a very long time. Hebrews chapter five captures a moment in the life of the early church. The writer says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You can hear this in the writer of Hebrews. He's actually, we'll put this next slide up here. It's got these, these levels of spiritual development. There's, a, there's level one, I can grasp more than just the basics of faith. A level two, I'm able to articulate what and why I believe. Level three, I can spiritually feed myself. Level four, I can make godly decisions. Last one, I live in full submission to God. Level five. That this is what's flowing from Hebrews chapter five. There's these de spiritual developmental uh, stages uh, that he captures, yet, yet pe people are stuck there. They just aren't, they aren't thriving. Now, it'd be helpful, maybe you could do some self-diagnosis there. If you were to say, where, where are you at in your own growth? Where, how's growth going for you? And as you do that self-diagnosis, don't, don't go to a place of self-condemnation, just Understand how you are growing. And what if, what if you could experience a spiritual growth spurt? What if you could have a moment where maybe there's some things that, that, that some, some new disciplines that you engaged in, some steps that you were taking that would cause you to grow? Or what if there were some things going on where the light of Christ would shine and, and actually you're not doing anything wrong. You're just bumping up against some stuff. And, and you could be free to enjoy the life that Christ has for you. I mean, what if you had the spiritual growth spurt of a lifetime? Uh, my boys, uh, growing up, they were very concerned about their height and how they were doing in their, in their height. And, and much like some of you did with your kids, or maybe your parents did this with you, they'd have you step back up to a wall, put a ruler on top of your head and draw a line and, um, and try and see kind of how you're doing and... My son Chase, my oldest son Chase, um, when he got into the seventh grade, by the time he entered the eighth grade, in that one year, he grew seven inches. He just like shot up. And um, he had pain in his legs from uh, growing pains. And when his brother Cal saw Chase shoot up, and eventually he's, he's like six foot four, towers over, over Trina and I. Um, well, Cal was like... I, Man, I want to grow. And, and we were doing the, the growth chart thing and he never had a year where he shot up seven inches. He just had like two inches one year and then two inches the next year and then an inch and a half and then three inches the next year. It was sort of this steady incremental growth and he was hoping to catch his older brother and he just, he's six foot three, just almost there and his older brother lets him know that. But, but this is anticipation, this expectation of growth. What if 
in this next week's as we're in this series, you experience a spiritual growth spurt. It could be the seven inches. It could be two inches, an inch, three inches. And actually, as, as I've been praying about this series, I've been, I've been asking God permission to be able to say this to you, and I believe I do have his permission to say this to you. It's this. If you will lean in, and you will own the things that only you can own, and you will do the hard work of allowing the light of Christ to shine in those areas of your life, things that you're bumping up against that frankly, you're out of your control, but if you allow Jesus to break through those, I, I, I can guarantee you this, I can guarantee you that you indeed will have a spiritual growth spurt. If you'll lean in, if you'll own the things that God's asking you to own, if you'll let him do the work of stuff you're bumping up against that, that are actually out of your control, you will grow. So let me just give you a little, little roadmap of, of where we're going. And actually, we pulled a little bit of a fast one on you because we've been already driving this road. For four weeks, we talked about identity. And it's the, actually the first stop on this idea of unleashing the soul and thriving. Identity is like, it's, it's like setting the foundation. Here's a picture of a San Francisco skyline. Uh, that's the Salesforce Tower, inspiring name for a building. The Salesforce Tower, 61 stories tall, 1,000 feet. And a lot of people see the tower and they're impressed by it, but, but you'd be impressed by the foundation that they dug. Uh, here's a picture of that. Uh, they, they dug down deep and they drove pilings 300 feet down into the bedrock. 300 feet, and then they, they got all these cement trucks and they began pumping in cement into the foundation. It took 18 hours just to get the concrete into the foundation of this high rise. That's what we've done for four weeks. For four weeks, we have just sort of laid the foundation of identity. Because look, if you're gonna build on a foundation, you can't build on a foundation of performance. Like if I achieve, if I do good, then God will like me. Now you'll go up and you'll see cracks in the walls. You can't try and build on a foundation of people pleasing. Because you, you just find, you'll find yourself being pulled in different directions and you just won't be able to go very high on that. You can't build on a foundation of image management through control. I'm trying to present your life in a certain way. My value comes by how others perceive me. You can't do that. You have to build on the bedrock of Christ and understand that you are forgiven, that he likes you, that he gave his son for you, that you are pleasing to him, that he showered his kindness and grace on you, that he thinks the world of you. This is... This is God's perspective on you. And when that sinks in, when that foundation is realized, you start building on that. Now, now we're talking growth. We spent four weeks digging that foundation and laying that down. That's the first stop on this roadmap. The second stop, we're gonna talk about repentance. Then we're gonna talk about family sin patterns. There are things that have a powerful pull on you. You have to deal severely with them. We're gonna talk about forgiveness. One of the highest marks of spiritual maturity is loving your enemies. We're gonna talk about healing wounds. There's these festering soul sores that some of us are carrying around. We're gonna talk about overcoming fears. As Christ followers, we often make our biggest mistakes when fear has a grip on us, which is why the Bible says more than any time that the biggest command is do not be afraid. And we're gonna talk about deliverance and we're gonna talk about that there is a real enemy and those are the stops we're on. And as we, as we lean into each and every one of these stops in, Thrive, in this Thrive series, you're gonna grow. We're all gonna grow. And that's God's intent for us. So 
Let's talk about this, this, this idea of, I'm, I'm going to say the R word, repent, okay? Because this is not a very popular word. The R, the R word is, a, you know, we use the R, we say the R word, we say repentance because there are words that you don't want to say, but, you know, you want people to understand it without you saying something crass, so you just use the initials. You don't, you, you, you don't say the words, you say BS, you, and I say R for repentance, and I say BS, I thought it was best stuff. I don't know what you were thinking, but, uh, but we, we, these, these are words that, they, they just, they're, they're hard words. These are words that are spoken by people. Repent is a word spoken by people who are, they're dressed in animal skins and they eat grasshoppers for dinner. They're, they're the kind of people, you know, the people who talk about repentance, they have that crazed look in their eye, kind of like Jack Nicholson in the movie The Shining, and they hold signs on street corners and they shout in the bullhorns and they talk about coming judgment and you need to repent. And when we hear about the word repent, that's the category we put this word into. It goes into the category of words like colonoscopy and root canal and steamed cauliflower. We see this as a bad word. But let me tell you something. I'm sorry it's been imaged that way. It's a, it's a beautiful word. You gotta get this. See, every single person who's been born on planet Earth falls short of God's standard. God could have hit the reset button like he did in Noah's day. He could have started over. But what he decided to do was make a way possible for you and I to be reconciled to him. And that way is repentance. And he, it, it's, 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 a narrow, it's a narrow way. Um, and, and he... God sent his son Jesus and he, he says, you know, if people will turn from and turn to, that's repentance, turn from this old life and turn to a new life in Christ, then, then I'll give them life. I, God not only allows us into, he not only gives us spiritual amnesty, so to speak, he allows us into his kingdom not to be street sweepers and garbage collectors, he calls us his children. He adopts us into his family. He gives us a seat at the dinner table and he wants to have conversation with us. This is what God has done and it's all been made possible through repentance. Repentance is a beautiful word and I want you to hear me on this. There is no entrance into the kingdom of heaven and there's no advancement in the kingdom of heaven without repentance. Let me say it again. There's no entrance, there's no admission, there's no way into the kingdom of heaven until this happens in your life, until you repent. And there's no advancement, there's no thriving, there's no growing without repentance. We must learn the lifestyle of repentance. We must learn the moves of repentance. And as we do, we will thrive, we will grow. It's a beautiful word. Now, uh, let me just... Uh, can we go to the first one there, Todd? Here's how it starts. Matthew 3, John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom is near. And the people are coming to him and he's teaching them how to turn and turn from and turn to. But it all begins with conviction. These are the moves of repentance. There's three of them I'm gonna give them to you. Conviction. This is about having a soft heart, a soft, tender spirit. And when, you know, you, you know you're walking along with Jesus and you have peace in your heart, things are good, your relationship, your friendship with him is good, and then something, you do something, you say something, and the peace is disturbed. There's a disturbance in the force. And something isn't quite right, and you're, going to, you're talking to God, and you're like, what, what is it? And, um, and, and the spirit points out something. I was traveling recently and I was in a foreign country, went to a grocery store, bought some stuff, 
the checker is you know, helping, I mean, I'm paying for stuff, and I notice that there's someone at the end of the line there, someone bagging the, the stuff I'm buying, and, um, and they're not an employee. They're, they're there, they're, usually it's, it's an elderly person or someone with a disability. They're not an employee, but they have a little, their version of a tip jar, and they're relying, as they bag your groceries, they're relying on a tip, and that's how they're gonna survive. Uh, that's, that's how they're making their living. And so I'm in line, and um, I, I buy my stuff, you know, I get coins back, and I see the tip jar, I put my coins in the tip jar, and I'm walking away from that experience, and I, I have a, my, my peace is disturbed. I've been studying greed and, and I've been looking at generosity and I've, been, I've, I've read recently that being generous actually is an act of mercy. And I, and, and I feel the Holy Spirit just say, you got coins in your pocket. And I'm walking away from that, that you know, checker stand and, and, and all of a sudden, these coins mean the world to me. <laughs> and... Um, and it's just it's a couple seconds where the spirit just nudges and like, hey, um, you got more to give. So I put my hand in my pocket, grab the rest of the coins, and I, I put them uh, in, in, the, in the jar, and the person smiled, and I smiled, and um, you know, they had no idea what was going on in my head. But that, that, that's walking in repentance is just paying attention to a little, little poke in the ribs that the spirit gives you. And by the way, how you differentiate between conviction and condemnation, the spirit of God is kind and gentle. The enemy of our souls wants to speak condemnation. And typically, Rob Reamer talks about in this, his book, Soul Care, this, the enemy of our soul speaks in generalities. He says, you're a horrible person, you're a bad person, you're disappointing, you're, you're not a loving person. And he wants to take you to a place of shame. The spirit of God won't do that. The spirit of God just kind of pokes, hey, your peace is disturbed, and he, and, he, and he convicts, which then leads to contrition. Contrition is this emotive response to the fact that I have, I have I've, I've offended God or I've, uh, I've, I've gone sideways with him. Uh, Jesus talks in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter five. He says these words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Uh, I've, I've heard these verses quoted in funerals and saying that you know, if you're in a place of loss and you're mourning, you will be comforted, you're blessed in that. And um, I've, something in me is like, well, how is that a blessing? And, and yes, God is our comforter and yes, God is with us in our loss, no doubt about that. But that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What he's saying is, blessed are those who realize their spiritual bankruptcy and blessed are those who mourn who actually have a sense of emotive like sadness over their spiritual bankruptcy, for they will be comforted, meaning theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In fact, the next beatitude says, blessed are the meek, which is a, which is a synonym for contrite. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What Jesus is saying is, look, when you experience conviction and you add contrition to it, this, you're, you're a blessed person, and this takes humility, but you are so close to entering or growing in the kingdom of God. And there is no entrance to the kingdom of heaven and no advancement in the kingdom of heaven without this, without repentance. So conviction then leads to contrition. Um, and Second uh, uh, Corinthians, Paul says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. There is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, but there's a worldly sorrow. 
And this worldly sorrow is, a, is this, this sense of, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like the CD that got stuck. And in some cases, it's also the person who feels stuck and actually feels, just doesn't feel empowered to be able to be freed from this. Because they're bumping up against stuff they, can't, they just can't, they can't fix on their own. And they feel stuck. And God, he wants godly sorrow. Years ago, when Trina and I were raising our kids, we, we paid them uh, allowance to do their chores. And we learned uh, that the kids weren't doing their chores, but they were still getting paid. And so we're like, man, how do we address this? And so we were at dinner table one night and said, okay, family conversation. And I created this story of a farmer that hired employees and the farmer was paying the employees, but the employees actually weren't doing the work and uh, just kind of laid all the details out and the stress it was placing on the farmer. And so I then asked the kids, what do you think the farmer should do with the employees? And my youngest son, Cal, said, he should fire them. <laughs> and I looked at Cal and said, oh, bud, you're the employee. <laughs> and he looked at me and his face got white and he just put his head on the table and just sobbed. And um, <laughs> contrition. As a parent, you know the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow with your kids. Your father, God, he allows his spirit to sort of give us a little bit of nudge and disturb our peace, to lead us to a place of contrition. These are two of the moves of repentance. There is no entrance into the kingdom of heaven without this. There's no growth, no thriving, no advancement in the kingdom of heaven without it. But when you take conviction and contrition happens and you make the final move, which is confession, this is where some beautiful work is done. This is where freedom comes. Confession is about going public with what is private. It's about owning up to the, the ways we've hurt others or we've, we, way we've hurt ourselves or we've hurt community. Um, David in, in Psalm 32 says, uh, he writes these words, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. What David is describing is spiritual FTT, failure to thrive. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Friends, when you enter into the kingdom of heaven as a spiritual infant, you've been designed and intended to grow and God wants you to thrive. You have to build on that foundation of, of uh, this, this identity of who I am in Christ and walk in repentance. And for some of us, we need to go back and allow the spirit to convict us about how we've built our identity. That, maybe that's what we need to deal with. We need to let the spirit convict us and lead us to a place of contrition. Not manufactured emotion, but true, true contrition. And, and then move us to confession. We go public with the things that are private. Uh, Norman Grubb um, says this. Openness before man is a genuine proof of sincerity before God. 
And then um, this next slide, really, it's from uh, Rob Reamer's book, Soul Care. It says, a soul that thrives is a soul without secrets. That's the beauty of confession. Now, let's just sort of wrap that all up and let's just talk about the growth spurt that's in front of us. How do we lean into what God is t- talking to us about, about how to thrive? And, and really, it just begins simply with practicing repentance. We need to practice it. We need to Repent. Now, here's how we can do this in this next week. I want you right now to think of one area in your life where there's a repetitive, call it failure, call it sin, a repetitive thing that you're being engaged in and you're like, ah, oh, I did it again, okay? Just one, don't, don't make a list. Just start with one, all right? And no whispering to the person next to you, here's the one you should work on, okay? <laughs> so how about you? So how about you? What's your one? All right. Invite Holy Spirit to poke you in the ribs. He's kind. This next week, Holy Spirit, would you just would you just speak? Give me ears to hear what you're saying to me this next week so I can pay attention to this. And Holy Spirit, would you lead me to a place of contrition? You may need to reflect when when you find yourself back in this pattern. Reflect it. Okay, so what did this feel like when I said that word to this person? What did my father in heaven feel like when I engaged in that sexual sin again? What? Let, 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 reflect a bit on that. Don't go to a place of condemnation. Go to a place of contrition and then confess. And that confession may simply look like confessing to God, but what you'll discover is sometimes the Spirit of God disturbs our peace and prompts us to go confess to a person. James 5 says that when we confess our sins, if, you, you know, if we sin, we should confess to God and to others, and there, there's healing in that. So one of the ways that we could lean in, if we want that spiritual growth spurt, one of the ways that we could lean in is simply to practice repentance. The second one's on the screen. Invite Holy Spirit to fill and empower you to produce the fruit of repentance. This is something you need help. I need help with this. Inviting the spirit of God to convict, to take us to a place of contrition, to give us the boldness to confess. Because there is no entrance in the kingdom of heaven without repentance. There is no advancement in the kingdom of heaven without repentance. We need his help. There's a story in the Bible where John the Baptist is preaching and he's telling people to repent. He's baptizing them and uh, some Pharisees, some religious leaders show up and he says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. He was a strong personality. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Pause button there. They were saying, what they were saying here is like, I can do what I want because Abraham is is my father. I'm good with God. Modern day interpretation would be to say that, you know, I I gave my life to Jesus. It doesn't matter how I behave. I can, he'll forgive me. And what, what, what John is getting after is you need to produce fruit with repentance. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown to the fire. And then he goes on to say, I baptize you with water for repentance. We've seen this today. What you saw today in the baptismal tank is John's baptism. It's going down into the water saying, I am turning from and turning to. 
But then he goes on to say, after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And you need that baptism as well so that you can be empowered for the life of holiness that Christ has for you. Because it's by the power of the Spirit that we can have a soft heart and pay attention to the moments where he's disturbing our peace so that we can make things right to go to a place of contrition and then have the boldness to confess. And if you and I will lean into that, I'm telling you, you, you're gonna grow. You just are. Because you're living a life without secrets. A life that is known to God. So let's do this. Would you uh, just take a few moments and bow your heads and close your eyes? And I want you to have a conversation with Jesus. If you haven't been able to already, would you ask him to identify what's that one area of your life, the one habitual sin you find yourself getting into? Maybe you beat yourself up because of that. He doesn't want that for you. He wants you to grow. He longs for you to be transformed. What's that area he first would love to see you practice repentance in? And then we invite Holy Spirit to fill you. To empower you. Father, there's not one single person in this room that you don't love. There are some in this room who have believed the lie that they are unlovable. There are some in this room who have carried a heavy burden because they've been beat up and sometimes beat up by religious leaders. Set them free from that false image of who you are. You're a good dad. You're a really good dad. Now fill us with your presence and your spirit. Empower us to thrive. For your great name's sake we pray. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.